I feel that there is so much more. This universe is just a fractal of all that is. When I was young, I was thinking that my purpose here on Earth was to become more spiritual and be more connected to my source. So I did everything to become more spiritual. And then I met my husband. And he was like, oh, this is a beautiful world. We want to eat and drink and enjoy ourselves. And I was thinking, maybe he's on to something because I actually cannot do this in spirit. So enjoying the physical reality is actually a very, very spiritual thing to do. Three, two, one. Welcome to the Mind for Life podcast. The Mind for Life podcast where your thinking can change your life. And now, here's your host, Jeff Bogazic. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Mind for Life podcast. My name is Jeff Bogazic, and I will be your host here today where we explore some of the depths of our thinking in order to transform our thought patterns and in doing so, transform our lives. We have a wonderful show today, an incredibly insightful talk with a very special guest. Her name is Gordana Biernot. And let me tell you a little bit about her. Gordana is a writer, speaker, wisdom keeper, and Oprah Winfrey Super Soul 100 teacher. She talks about the perception of reality, consciousness, creativity, leadership, and art. She was selected by Oprah Winfrey to be on the Super Soul 100 list. As a writer, she influences conscious communication through higher thought. She has been featured on Oprah.com, Psychology Today, Huffington Post, The Times of India, and many other websites and blogs, as well as printed magazines and publications. On Twitter, she has over 320,000 followers. She's just recently published her new book, Hashtag Know the Truth, Why Knowing Who You Are Changes Everything. And today on the program, you're going to hear about how it was that Gordana was selected to the Oprah Super Soul 100 list, why unconditional love is the truth that all other truths must be subject to. And you're going to hear about how you can learn to know a little bit more about yourself. Before we get into the interview, let me just say a couple of things very quickly. First of all, I would like to read our review for the week. It is written by D'Angelo98. It says this, Jeff Bogazic is endeavoring to provoke individual critical thought, which is arguably underutilized today when we are encouraged just to do what you feel. An example of the useful tools available is an interpersonal skill development guide. If you're shy and not happy about it, Jeff has a guide for improving interpersonal skills on the corresponding Mind for Life website. Spoiler alert, it has a lot to do about listening well. You are only stuck with something when you are neither willing nor able to work toward change. The episodes are thoughtful, provocative, and useful. Give this a listen and see for yourself. So I want to say thank you so much to D'Angelo. 
98. I appreciate that wonderful review. Second of all, let me just quickly mention that the show notes for this program are on our website, mindforlife.org. You can access them by going to mindforlife.org forward slash 029. I'd also like to mention our sponsor for this podcast. It is bluehost.com. Bluehost, the leading web solution services provider. Founded in 2003, they've continually innovated new ways to deliver on their mission, which is empowering you and me to fully harness the web. If you are looking for uh, hosting for a podcast, a website, or a blog, take a look at Bluehost. They host our program and our website, and I highly recommend them. Next, you can now become a patron and support this podcast with your kind generosity, starting with as little as $1 a month. That's right, less than the cost of a pack of gum. You can help to support this program and keep it running. Head on over to mindforlife.org, click on the Become a Patron link right at the top of the homepage. And then finally, I hope you are listening to our new feature, which is Five on Friday. I give a five-minute reflection, five good minutes on a particular topic that hopefully inspires you to think a little bit deeper about reality. If you didn't get to hear that, click on back and listen to the most recent Five on Friday, The Attitude of Possibility. All right, again, it was so phenomenal to talk with Gordana today, so let's get right on into the interview. Gordana, it is so, so awesome to have you on our program today. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate having you here, all the way from Sweden. Thank you so much, Jeff, for having me here. Yes. Uh, would you do me a favor and just for our listeners, just share a little bit about what you do, your areas of expertise and what you're interested in. And then we've got some awesome things that we want to kind of like explore a little bit later. Well, I love um, helping people realize who they truly are and helping them remember their soul source. So I am a writer, speaker, a wisdom keeper. I am a Twitter philanthropist where I share all my thoughts about reality, who we are and why we are here. And that is actually my passion in life to figure that out and then share what I find with everyone I can share it with. So that's what is very interesting to me because you talk about, there was a, there's a line on your website that says you deal with the perception of reality consciousness, creativity, leadership, and art. And to me, that stuff is just fascinating. So uh, tell me, how did you get started in that? What happened in your life that you got started thinking about things like that? Well, that is a very, very hard question because uh, it never actually starts. I've had it since I can remember, I was a child when I started thinking about things seen and unseen. I mean, I could I could lay in my bed and think about the stars and where they end and where the universe ends. And then I could run to the window and look outside and I figure, oh my God, the stars out there are the same thing going on in my head. It's, it's made of the same stuff. So I've always had this 
curiosity about what is going on in my head and the reality out there. And I don't remember any point where it starts because I feel that it has been with me all the time. But of course, there are triggers. I mean, I had a car accident. I was in a car accident when I was 17. And in the midst of that car accident, I felt that I am so much more than my body. I realized that I'm a fearless soul. And I also realized that most people don't know that about themselves. So, I mean, there are triggers on the way, but I've always, always, always been curious about what am I doing in this reality? What is this reality? And how can I affect it in order to create the reality I want? So this, I, I can't pinpoint a point where it says, now I started doing this. I had this phenomenal moment when my son was born, and I was 31 at that moment. I looked into his eyes, and I realized that I saw my purest soul in his eyes. So I felt that I have to be authentic in order for him to be authentic, because I am mirroring his soul in my soul, so to speak. So I... That is one of the most important moments of my life where I realized that I have to share my authentic self with the rest of the world. Otherwise, I'm missing the point of being in this reality. And if I don't share my authentic self, then how can he be able to do that? And I am a vehicle for him to do that in this world when he's a small child, can't do it himself. So he has to do it through me. And if I'm not authentic, then I will learn him not to be authentic. And it's, it's a vicious cycle. So a lot of these kind of life-changing moments happen, but I think that I have always, always been open to exploring physical reality and understanding it through my spirit and what it is. So, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting because most people maybe i maybe i'm wrong but i would say most people do not think on that level would you agree with that and it's interesting to me why it is that some people start to develop this awareness and why others don't i think that we're all born very curious about reality but something happens during our childhood and some of us are more resilient when it comes to that. I feel that I am a, re a resilient person because I was born into a reality where I actually, it was very hard for me to um, to even think about reading because my, my, my parents came from the Balkans and they took a culture with them which said that women are not supposed to educate themselves. So when I as a child wanted to read and I started talking about philosophical things, my father would say, please stop because this is not good for you. It's, it's hurting your brain or you'll be blind if you read these kind of stuff. And I mean, I can laugh at it now, but it was not funny when I was a child. So I had to do it in silence and alone and not sharing it with anyone, which felt very bad when I was a child. But I realize now when I look back at it, that it was the only way for me to kind of incubate my thoughts and, and have them for myself and not have a grown-up changing them for me. Because I think that that is what happens when, when you're a child, you have all these phenomenal thoughts about reality, but the grown-ups tell you, no, 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 this is how it is. And then you start school and even, even, even worse, they start to compartmentalize your thinking and they give you stars and, uh, 
and love when you do it the way they want you to do it. So I think that we are all born with the curiosity, but somehow most of us forget that and we comply or we we fall into the, the belief systems that are presented to us and we accept them as the truth and we stop seeking the truth within us. That is why my book is called Hashtag Know the Truth because I want everyone to go in deep inside with them and find their truths because there are so many truths in this reality. There's not just one truth. There are so many truths and when you start exploring reality and, and, and try to find your truth in it, that's where magic happens because you, you can create new things with that. Okay, so that's a great, great lead-in. Um, you wrote this book. How do you, uh, you know, it's, it, to me, maybe I'm simplifying it, but it seems like a journey of self-awareness for people to start to become aware of who they are, who they are in reality, and how do you help people to get to that point? How do you help them to discover? And to because because a lot of times, I was just talking with my brother-in-law. We're kind of concerned with the things that we've got going on in the world. I've got a job. I got to you know do this, do that. How do you help people to really? And you might want to call it the the meta level or that level up. How do you help people to get to that next level and to begin thinking in that different way? Well, you know, I've discovered that it happens organically. I can't plan that with, any, with anyone. I don't think anyone plans to do it. But it, it, it starts off like a nagging feeling that there's something lacking in your reality. And then you start looking for things that will help you get rid of the nagging, so to speak. And my Twitter account is a place where people come. That's where they find me usually because I am like a beacon of love, of light. I send out loving thoughts all the time. And it's not because I'm overly uh, positive. It is because I know for sure that our source is unconditional love. So every time you can feel unconditional love within you, you are connected to your source and you can feel it in your body. And most people that connect to me have had that kind of a feeling. And since the reality out there is always presenting a negative view or a negative perspective, the people that find me know that this is not the whole truth. They need something else to balance that out. So they are looking for a way to get confirmation of their source. And my Twitter account is that confirmation. I post tweets about who we are and why we are here and help people to connect to their source with the reminders that I put out there. Because we need to be reminded of it. It's so easy to forget that because the reality out there is so negative all the time, it's easy to forget that you are un unconditional love. That is your source. So when someone like me puts out thoughts about you are your source, you are your truth, go within, you will find what you seek within, you can't find it out there, they connect to that. And then that's when, when it starts. And it is an organic thing. You, you cannot, I don't think that you can plan it. You have to just 
synchronistically feel it is right for you, and that's when it when it happens, so to speak. Uh, it sounds like you're talking about um, in in religious terminology. So when you say to find out who you are, to find out why you're here, what do you? What are your thoughts on religion, on God, on the divinity, and and how do you uh, how do you connect with that? Where where do you kind of see yourself in that realm? Well, I wouldn't call myself a religious person because religion and spirituality are two different things. So I would say that it is more sp- spiritual than it is religious. Religious is is a doctrine. It's a it's a it's a mindset. It's it's a set of beliefs that is created outside of me. And I, I have a hard time to accept these kind of creations. I need to create something within me and to probe my beliefs and to probe my truths. And when, if I find them true, then it becomes a part of me. So I wouldn't say that I'm a religious person. I am very, very spiritual, but I'm not a religious person in that sense. And also, when you say God, I would need you to define what you mean by God. And then I can answer that question because I can't answer it otherwise. For me, I could say that God would be the same thing as all that is, or the quantum field, or um, soul source. It only depends on what perspective I take when I look at it, or God is is all that is to me. So I can use the word God, but I wouldn't say that a religious person would use the word God the same way I do. So, yes, so if I would ask you, what is God? Could you explain, could you define God to me? Ah, well, that's a good question. I know. How would I define God? (laughs) I would define God personally, this is from a philosophical perspective, as maybe one way would be the first mover Okay, so, you know, in, in, in philosophy, if you look at the way the universe was created or built or began or whatever, however you want to go back, you know, something had to put things in motion, uh, you know, and so one definition of God that I would, that I would use is the first mover. How did it start? There had to be some being, and I would say, that that being had to be something outside of, transcendent from, the material, physical world that we know as the universe. Why would you consider it be outside? Wouldn't it be something that permeates everything, for instance, including that world, that it is just an aspect of God, so to speak? Yeah, I understand. I, I see what you're saying. Why would I say that? I would say that... I don't think that within a system uh, that you can find answers for a, a mover within the system itself. In other words, if God was inside of the universe or was a part of the universe, uh, then it would already be in motion and he would already be a part of it. So to me, logically, that doesn't make sense. There had to be something outside of the system in order to start it. And this is where I really um, play with the thoughts because I don't think that there is an outside and an inside. I think that the universe is inside of God. Everything is inside of God. That is why I see God mm-hmm. as all that is. 
everything is inside. There is no outside because what would be outside? Then there must be something right. there. So for me, that would be that everything is inside of God. And I do agree with you that God would be the first mover, so to speak. But this is also, unless you move, nothing will change in your reality. So in a way, you are God in your own reality. So you're a fractal, yes, you're a fractal of what what God is in a greater perspective, so to speak. So I, I feel that we do have similar way of looking at God, which is easier for us to talk when we speak about God. And that's why I that's why I really love to ask people, what do you can, can you define God? And it's not only with God. I mean, I feel that a lot of words we use, we actually fill them with different content, and then mm-hmm. when we talk about them, we we kind of don't understand each other and that creates friction between us which it would be much easier if we would ask ourselves well please define what you mean with that word and let's see if we are we agree on it so and god is one of the hardest things to uh, talk about unless you say define god to me without i mean that that is a very important thing that's why i asked you (laughs) let me ask you this question do you, and believe me, I love talking like this, so I'm so excited to talk to you. Do you believe that, uh, or do you see that there are transcendent dimensions outside of this universe, or would you say this universe is all that is, and uh, in other words, are you? would you consider yourself a materialist in the sense that the material universe is all that is or that there is something outside of and beyond transcendent from? I feel that there is so much more. This universe is just a fractal of all that is. This is just one thought in all that is. One thought in all that is. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine what I think about it. I mean, I live in this universe. I have chosen to do so because all that is, is is experiencing itself through me in this universe. When I was young, I was thinking that my purpose here on earth was to become more spiritual and be more connected to my source. So I did everything to become more spiritual. And then I met my husband. And he was like, oh, this is a beautiful world. We want to eat and drink and enjoy ourselves. And I was thinking, maybe he's on to something because <laughs> I actually cannot do this in spirit. My spirit is here in order to experience something specific. So where am I? Well, I am in a physical reality, which means that I am here to explore the physicality of this reality. So... My purpose here is to enjoy every single moment of this physical experience because this I cannot do in spirit. So enjoying the physical reality reality is actually a very, very spiritual thing to do. So it, it might sound like a play with words, but it's not. I wouldn't call myself a materialist. But I am here to enjoy the physical reality and the physical aspect of this world. This is one part of my higher self, enjoying this universe in this constellation, this polarity in this reality. That is what I'm doing here at the moment. I don't know what happens after that, but I do know that I am energy and that I will only shape-shift or, or become something else, but the, the one behind all this, the one looking and feeling and sensing all this 
will remain and go and do something else that my spirit or higher self desires to explore. Mm -hmm. So um, from your perspective, what happens when you die? I think that dying is, as life is, it's a transition. I don't know. I, we, we see death as something very, very short. And I don't know if it, mm -hmm. it is so. It might be that death can be as long as life is, but we're doing something else. I don't know, actually. I do know, though, when I was in this car accident I was talking about in, in the beginning of our uh, talk, that I felt that I this might be the last moment of my life. I could actually feel it. And I felt right. totally fearless. I was 17 years old and I felt fearless. I, I didn't feel the fear. I didn't even, all I could think of was that I didn't want to feel physical pain. If I was going to die, I mm -hmm. didn't want to feel physical pain. But I did not feel any fear that I would be extinct, that I wouldn't exist. I felt that this, this was just a kind of transition that I needed to go through. And then afterwards, I would be able to look back and see that everything was okay. So I never ever felt that I would be um, that I would cease to exist. Right. You felt that there was something there was something beyond. In other words, there was another there was another reality that's outside of the reality that you were in at that point. And you did did you have any type of like you know you hear people that have these experiences of going down a tunnel at light, seeing a light at the end of the tunnel or anything like that? Did you have anything like that? Did you have any type of maybe a metaphysical experience? Well, metaphysical, yes, but not the tunnel thing. I, okay. I actually felt that time stopped in a way. Uh -huh. Or at least it became elongated. It became like slow motion, you know? I could yeah. see, for instance, I had so much time that I could think. Thoughts. I know that the accident was very short. It, it, was, it took a few seconds for the car to turn around twice on, on the roof and, and, and stop. But during that time, I felt that time became something else. And this is where all these thoughts about time being an illusion or actually being very lucid or being, um, you, can, you can use time in different ways. That's when it, I got the idea that time is not precise. Time is not correct, accurate as we think. Time is very, very, form you can form it, you can do things with it. Because while I was in this car accident, I could see pieces of glass um, flying by, and I could actually see the, the colors of the rainbows in the glass, and I was thinking, oh my God, this is so beautiful, in the midst of that car accident, with all the fear and stuff going on. So time became different, and my memory became different. I, my awareness was so heightened, I could actually stop time. It felt like that. So there was something metaphysical, but I didn't go through a tunnel. I didn't come so close to death as going through that tunnel and seeing light, as people describe. Right. But I did feel the breath of death, if I could say so. Yeah. I could feel it. And I Very felt poetic. my fear. Yes, and I, and I could feel my own fearlessness in that. So I know who I am in that moment. I know that I am fearless. And so are we all. It's just that life teaches us that there is fear out there and that we should be afraid. So we become fearful instead of, as we are born, fearless. Mm -hmm. Gordana, this is fascinating. <laughs> I, yes, it it's, is. It's, it's really great. It's, I love talking about this stuff. So I appreciate you coming on. Let me ask you this question. Mm -hmm. 
How do you define truth? You talk about, I need to go inside and find my truth. Now, you know, that, that word, uh, as we've said before, is, is kind of, you know, an abstract term. But what is truth for you, and how do you help people to discover that? Well, I think that the only truth is that there are there are so, so many truths. The only truth that exists is that all that is is unconditional. So everything is accepted in this reality. And my truth is very strongly connected to who I am and what I am here to explore. Of course, for me to act violently towards other people is a bad thing. So that is a truth for me. But it's not the truth for other people, for instance. And I cannot argue with their truths. I can say that my truth is, is this, but I cannot tell them this is wrong or this is right or this is the truth. So is it... I don't think that... You don't think you can... You yeah. can't tell... So like we just had this guy that shot mm. 60 people in Las Vegas. Mm. So it's not wrong for him to do that. Is that what you're saying? No. It is very much wrong for him to do that. From my perspective, the way I see it, this is horrible. This is so wrong to do. But in his mind, it is not. Right. Because he's doing it. Right. So even if I tell him this is wrong, this is the truth. For me, it's the truth. But I cannot convince him right. of any, anything. I cannot change anyone else outside of me. Correct. So for me, that... All that is, is unconditional love. That is the only truth. And when I am connected to that truth, then I will act accordingly. Which means that I wouldn't go out and kill people. I wouldn't be horrible to others. I wouldn't act violently. But if I'm not connected to that truth, then other truths become the truth for me. And in my mind, those are the truths. So in his mind, that was the truth. Mm -hmm. And you cannot, you cannot change that. I wouldn't say that it is the truth. For me, it's, it's horrible. It is wrong. But for him, that is the truth. Would you say that unconditional love is the truth that all other truths must be subject to? Yes. Yes. That is what it is. Exactly. You put it better than I did because I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't frame it that way you did. But that is exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, so unconditional love is the truth. Is the truth. And then... The truth. The truth with then a capital have, T. Yes. Right. And then you have all the other truths. And for me, why the book I've written is hashtag know the truth and then why knowing who you are changes everything. When you know who you truly are, which is unconditional love in, in a body, in this reality, when you know that... There is no possibility that you will act violently against anyone else. Right. So that is why it is so important to understand who you are, to find who you are, mm -hmm. who you truly are, to find your source and understand that you are here because source desired you into being right. here. So let me, let's ask, let's, let's explore this a little bit further. How, if, if you say 
unconditional love is the truth, which I would agree with you on that. Uh, when someone's own personal truth comes into conflict with that, like this shooter or someone else who does violence or horrific things, would you say that they have not discovered unconditional love or that they have not subject themselves to it? And how would you, or could you even, because I maybe you, maybe you hit it before when you said, I can't tell them what truth should be. Can you help them to discover that? And, and how would you go about that? I think it's very hard to um, to make people believe something. They have they have to understand it themselves. And I think that we are born into this reality with different purposes. Sometimes you are born into this reality. You have some kind of a spiritual agreement with yourself or with others of a scenario that you are supposed to play in this reality. And I feel that you maybe disconnect from your source in order to play out that scenario. And I don't think that anyone can change your mind when you are in that position. So it's, it's so much easier to heighten consciousness with people who are already aware of that they are the creators of their own reality and who are already connected to their soul source but feel that they become disconnected because of the negativity out there yes. and they need to reconnect. But if you are strongly disconnected to, to your soul source, to the unconditional love, you are probably experiencing a lot of pain in this reality and that pain even disconnects you more from it. So sometimes it's really very hard to uh, even get close to a person like that in their mind. It's almost impossible to do that. You have to have a revelation. I mean, you have to have a near-death experience or you have to have something else that will wake you up to the notion that you are fearless, that there is no fear, that fear is an illusion. And that's, that's the kind of thing that can wake you up. Or a birth of a child can wake you up into that, as it was for me. For instance, I told you about my son. So... I think that you need a, a very, very strong, emotionally very strong um, experience in order to wake up to the truth of who you are. And some souls here never wake up to that. Right. So that's interesting. It would be interesting to think about what could you create, what type of revelation could someone create that would call people out of the darkness, so to speak, and wake them to the reality that they seem to not be able to connect to? Well, uh, I really like, um, I, I think I read many, many years ago, I read about a ritual that was um, done in Egypt where they sent people down in dungeons for days without water, without food, and they would they would actually deprive them of, of all the, the normal things of a, an everyday life. And um, the person would then feel as if they were dying, and then they would save them in the last minute. And that process of feeling that you're dying would give you the illumination you needed in order to understand who you are. Hmm. So it was controlled, but at the same time, 
um, the fear was there, right. death, so to speak. And it's not a funny thing to do. I think I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to experience that. But <laughs> at the same, I mean, at the same time, it gives you an illumination. It gives you a, 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 an image of who you truly are, yeah. which actually helps you in your physical life. So maybe that is a solution. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're going to get the government to pass that, right? <laughs> I don't think so. I, don't, I hope not, because uh, but I, I found it fascinating because it is it is a way of creating that kind of an experience you were talking about. How do we create that kind of an experience? And I don't think we need to go that far, but we could create more um, experience-based learning, not just reading and, and listening, experience-based learning and, and getting to know ourselves through experience. Mm-hmm. Um, for yourself, what's the biggest lesson you've learned about yourself? How did you learn that? I mean, you talked about, obviously, having the experience at 17, facing death, looking at your child. What's the biggest thing you've learned about you? I think that the biggest thing I learned about myself is that I am worthy of love, abundance, and freedom. That is that is the greatest thing because I knew that as a child and then I forgot it and then I had to relearn it in my grown-up life, so to speak, and meeting my husband, having my son realizing who I am has given me that. So that is, that is the thing for me. It's in, that's really cool. Um, well, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I want you to talk a little bit uh, about uh, you are, you have been nominated or been declared an Oprah Winfrey Super Soul 100 teacher. Mm-hmm. That's pretty awesome, huh? <laughs> Yes, it is. Yeah. For me, living in Sweden, it's like getting the Nobel Prize. I know. It's really awesome. <laughs> How does that happen? How does that happen? Well, actually, I know exactly how it happened because Sherry Salata, who uh, was the president of OWN at that time, was following me on Twitter, and I did not know that. And one of my tweets popped up on her timeline, and she saw it, and she was thinking, oh, my God, this is so good. So she started looking at the other tweets I had, and she was going, oh, this one is even better. Oh, this one is great. And then she followed me for, I think, maybe a month or two, three. I don't know actually how long. And one day, I think it was December 2015, she sent me a DM through Twitter saying just one sentence. When you're up to it, let's dream a little. Wow. And I got so excited by this. So I wrote back to her and a week later we were Skyping. And then after that, it just rolled on. And in May 2016, I was having brunch with Oprah and a lot of awesome people. And after that, I... Here I am doing what I'm doing. Before that, I maybe whispered and someone in India picked up my whisper. Now it feels like I have a megaphone and people are hearing me all over the globe. So this is, this is, it was one of the greatest things ever to become a Super Soul 100 teacher. Honestly, it was beautiful. Did you know who she was when, like, did you know who she was when she... DM'd you? Did you like know, or did you like? Because I get a bunch of DMs and I pretty much delete them, you know, because it's all a bunch of 
usually a bunch of garbage, but... Yeah, well, I'm a bit more aware, but I didn't know who Sherry Salata was at that time, but yeah. my husband did. And since oh. he's my agent and he's my manager, he was, you have to look at this. This is Sherry Salata. <laughs> I was going, who is that? Yeah, <laughs> and he's just, sure. Yeah, so, but, but I mean, Sherry is so lovely. I really, really love her, and I've become a really good friend of hers. So um, now I... I I didn't know at that time who she was, but now I really do know who she is. She's such a beautiful soul. Well, that is so awesome, and we're, I'm so happy for you. Congratulations on that. You've Thank got, you. what, like 400,000 Twitter followers or something like that? No, not yet. I have 320-something oh, thousand. Okay. But almost. Only, 300, <laughs> only 320,000. Okay, yeah. not quite there yeah. yet. But you, I imagine you get tons of DMs and tons of tweets and tons of messages, mm -hmm. and so to be able I to uh, distill that and realize, uh, you got to give your husband some credit. You know, I, I don't will. know what he likes, but you better help him out because, right, he he just, he found that one. And he's like, hey, here you go. Yeah, uh, but yeah. It, it's pretty amazing, the power of one tweet. Yeah, it is amazing because the, the, the messages I get back from people reading my tweets and how it is affecting them, I... I, I I have no words of how happy that makes me because every single tweet I put out there, every single tweet I post, I post it with love and the love that returns back to me is so much greater. So just doing that gives me so much pleasure. I have a tribe out there of people who are truth seekers, who, who really understand that they're creating their own reality, who simply need this source in order to become more and more of that and to heighten the consciousness in the world. And I'm so grateful for them because before I started tweeting, I did not know that there were so many people out there doing the same thing I was doing. So just tweeting a thought out and getting a response from all over the world, I have uh, people connecting to me when I started this let me put it this way when I started this I had this idea that my ideal client or person out there would be a single mom somewhere in the western world it turned out to be something totally different I have 50% of people uh, that are reacting to my tweets are actually men like you wow. yeah and there is no there is no specific religion i have people all over the world tweeting back to me that are of different kinds of religions gender is no issue as i said age is not because i have a 13 year old talking to me via dm at the same time i have very old people talking to me there are gurus in in india talking to me and there are sheikhs in saudi arabia talking to me so i feel that there is some kind of universal message in my tweets which actually connects to people of all races, of all genders, of all ages. And that is totally new to me. And I'm so grateful for that because I feel that this is the evidence for me that I'm somehow tapping into some kind of universal truth within me, which means that I am close to the core or the source. I am close to the unconditionally loving source because they are tapping into the same thing, which is awesome to do. Well, that's wonderful. Uh, so tell everybody about your book and your website. Uh, you ju it's just released. Yes. 
right? Mm. So tell us how it's going and where people can access it and kind of mm. what it is about in a nutshell. Well, they can best find me on Twitter. And I am at my power talk on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook and my site is mypowertalk.com. So that's where they find everything about me. And as I said, my book is online on every online store. Every online platform. Yes. Hashtag. Hashtag now the truth. Why knowing who you are changes everything. Well, that is so awesome. We're excited. I'm so excited for you. You're doing a great job and I appreciate you being an inspiration. And uh, I love talking with you. And next time you see Oprah, give her a big high five from me. <laughs> <laughs> I promise I will. It was a joy talking to you, Jeff. Thank you, Gordana. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to Gordana talk in our interview today. And I want to just give a couple of my top takeaways from speaking with her. And let me say this, Gordana had so much more to say. We talked for an extended period of time after that interview. So I think we're going to have another episode with the conclusion of our talk, and that will be coming up soon. So look forward to part two of this interview with Gordana Birnot. But let me just give my top takeaways from this part. First of all, sometimes the difficulties in our lives are what propel us to new levels. Gordana talked about how the nagging feelings that we have, that maybe something is missing in our reality, those nagging feelings are what can push us beyond ourselves into something new. And so many times we wish those, those, those nagging feelings would go away, but don't despise them. Don't wish away the negative things that happen to you. Rather, allow them to move you to a new place in your journey. And number two, the power of unconditional love. Gordana talked about the idea that all people have their own truths that they live by and that we can't change that. I can't change other people's perceptions of reality. But that unconditional love is what should guide us. So remember, you can't change other people. You can try to persuade them, but you cannot change them. Only they can change them. And for us, only we can change ourselves. It's important that we forget about trying to change everyone else and focus instead on what we can change, namely ourselves. A famous quote says this, Yesterday I was clever, so I wanted to change the world. Today I am wise, so I am changing myself. Well, that's all for today. I hope this podcast has been informative and helpful to you. Remember, the show notes again are at mindforlife.org forward slash 029. You can leave your comments or suggestions on how we can make this podcast better. Remember, click on over to iTunes if you would. Subscribe to the Mind for Life podcast while you're there. Leave a review that we will share on the air. And again, I want to thank you so much for listening to this program. We'll talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.